again, it's time for crime and punishment and the live forever hour. It's time to move forward through the banana patch of life. Banana patch? <laughs> yes, it is time for you. Hey, uh, Herb, please, uh, will you do something before we get started? I still have that nervous tick here tonight. Would you please uh, prepare my cheer there and give it to me on cue? Uh, there's nothing that a person today needs more than applause. He needs it. It's, a, it's an important part of the ego of our time. Applause. In fact, it runs all through Dr. Spock's work. Anytime the kid does anything, applaud him. Even the natural functions, applaud him. Every time, just give him a big cheer. And so the human being today has an insatiable desire for cheers and applause. And for this reason, I suspect this is why a lot of people are becoming dissatisfied with work on the assembly lines. Sure, you don't get any applause. You only get a paycheck at the end of the month or week or day or however you work. Now, I would like to suggest to anybody out there who is a, a captain of industry or who controls some vast office with a lot of uh, discontented workers involved, if you could program one of your computers to in rotation and in strict rotation, according to seniority and according possibly to alphabetical uh, precedence, to issue notes of applause to various uh, workers. And he gets his applause every second Wednesday. He gets a note that says, you've been just unbelievable. And perhaps you can even do it in an oral sense. That uh, you have every guy is in his little cubicle, right? And uh, let's say he's working at a vast insurance company. And he's got this little uh, little uh, computer next to him. And he's constantly working on accounts receivable. Hour after hour. Hour after hour. And every, every two hours, he's allowed to go down to the company cafeteria and get some instant coffee, which he drinks out of, a, out of a wax cup. And he's allowed to put a quarter in the machine and get a squash Twinkie out of it. And that's uh, his little moment of, of rest and relaxation. Then he comes back up and goes... Well, now you could have that very easily wired, his little cubicle, with a little three-inch transistorized Japanese loudspeaker, right? And to every four... And maybe even do it by random. Machine goes, blah, the big applause computer by random. Picks out slot number 6942. All the tapes go together, and all the relays click over, and all the little diodes start operating, and the currents start going through the diodes and the tetrodes, and then out of his little speaker comes... He is going to go back to that machine. <laughs> Do you agree, Herb? Yes, you better. Right, George. <laughs> that reminds me, before I go any further, I've just got to have one more blast of that applause, Herb, when it gets rewound. One more blast of that applause. Just got to have it. It's, it's, it's a heady. It's, the, it's, the, uh, it's, in a sense, the, the opiate today of life. And I, I think the day is going to come when you can wire your house. And you walk into your house, you step through an electric eye, and it goes off like gangbusters. Charlie's home! Charlie's home! Oh, my God! Here he is! The star of our show! Charlie Bullitt is here! Nice feeling. Now, would you give me some of that bad music, Herb? I've got to soothe the ruffled feelings here that I have engendered within my own soul. My turbulent soul roaring and crashing against the rocks of adversity. Boom! 
this, by the way, is, a, is an actual musical rendition of the average 20th century man's soul. Boiling and sizzling as the three witches of Endor stand over those boiling cauldrons. Boil and boil, toil and trouble. <laughs> crime in each one of our each one of our souls oh yes the hand that creeps ever slowly towards the drawer that contains the stamps when all of a sudden the electronic seeing eye of conscience itself points and says you are guilty <laughs> yeah. oh it's short-circuited holy smokes my conscience is gone it blew up the diode just went out now i can do it all I wonder we're believing in the devil. And uh, incidentally, by inference, I'd like to say this, and by way of giving a, well, a disclaimer, that you are now undergoing a process of exorcism. The next 45 minutes, we will exorcise the devils which have taken over your soul. Ah! Ah, the gargoyle that sits on top of your pancreas. Ah! Ah! <laughs> out, devil! Out! Out! I say out! Out! Help! 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 I'm going down into the maelstrom! Oh, help! The lava's getting me! Out, devil! Modern man has disappeared over the premises. <laughs> Great Scott. Think of those poor suckers who waited in line for three weeks to see the exorcist. You've seen more exorcism in the last 30 seconds than you'll ever see in any damn movie. Oh, and that soul, what a terrible sight. Your soul gnarled and twisted. Bubbling and hissing like a cauldron steam bath of volcanic corruption and vice. Oh, that was nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What we need today, of course, is a hellfire and brimstone preacher. He's going to come on the scene. Believe me, I, I'm making a prediction. Within the next three years, since now we all believe in the devil, you know, the devil has brought the great... He's, his rating is going fantastic. The devil is getting to be more popular than Johnny Carson. And for many of the same reasons. But... He is really going strong. Have you noticed that? He's getting a lot of publicity. He's getting movies, books. Everything is... is uh... Now, what's going to happen now as a result of that? I'll tell you this. Once you start believing in the devil, the hellfire and brimstone preacher is not far behind because what does he refer to? What does hellfire and brimstone refer to, right? That's right. That's right. It is not the path of righteousness, friends. And I can just hear this preacher. Give me just a slight echo chamber, please. 
And everywhere I look tonight, I'm looking right now in your face, and I can see the light of the devil in your eye. I see the cloven hoof and that spike of tail of the devil. It is now wagging right behind you. And I know that down in your soul, it is coming out through your eyes. I can see corruption. I can see hellfire. I can see the endless lapping flames of the volcano of human corrupt, profane passion. And I can see it creeping up now on the side of the walls. And I say to you, and I say to you, devil, I'm standing here on this stage, and I'm going to shake my fist right in your face. And I say, devil, you come out here and do your worst. You come out here and possess me. I stand here with the truth, and the devil, you are not going to do it to me. Yes, sir. You've got to admit that would be damned effective today, wouldn't it? Now, that is something that you will find would be very difficult for Don Imus to do. What I have just done. Deliver a true hellfire and damnation sermon. That's not the same as a satirical hellfire and damnation. The true thing is much harder to do. Because one must have a premonition of the devil to do it. Now, we're getting very, very profound here and in deep murky waters, right? But the devil is in deep murky waters. If you're going to deal with the devil, you've got to get down there in those swirling currents where the human mind is at its murkiest, at its most nervous, where the bubbling cauldrons of sin lie just below the surface of the green jungle of beauty and truth. That's the sound of a bubbling cauldron in your gut. Yes. Expunging the devil is expunging sin. Because the devil is sin. Correct, Imo? So to exorcise the devil, one is exorcising sin. And that is a very difficult thing to do because sin is so damn much fun. Sir, sin brings the roses to your cheeks. And so man is constantly torn. And on the one hand, you wait. On the one hand, everybody's going and cheering the devil now. And they, they don't know what they're cheering, actually. When they sit in the middle of, of the exorcism, for example, or the exorcist, the movie, are you cheering for the devil to stay in that kid? Or are you cheering for the devil to be expunged by these people who are trying to get him out? Which are you cheering for? Difficult question. This is a question that has bugged mankind since almost the very beginnings of time. In fact, it has bugged him since even before the beginnings of time. So to exorcise a devil, one is exorcising sin. And in an age where sin is considered a major art form, to exorcise the devil will take a major exorcism of cosmic, immense quality. I wonder how many people who are, who are down there watching The Exorcist realize that they're seeing a movie about sin. 
Or do they just think the devil is a guy that walks around? <laughs> oh, you never thought you'd get this, did you, tonight, huh? By God, I'll tell you, the devil strikes, and you never know where he's going to strike. Everywhere he strikes. And he is at every place at every turn, and on every street corner. Yeah. And on every point of the dial. <laughs> Including W.O.R. in New York. Yeah. Speak of the devil, and he shall speak to you in forked tongue. Which reminds me, we have a commercial. Catch a live trout at the International Sports Show. Talk to famous athletes. Learn fly casting from an expert. Bid on a deluxe travel trailer at our daily auction. See trained animals. Plan your 74-family vacation on wheels in the woods on the water at the International Sports Show. Visit every manufacturer of recreational vehicles in one hour. The largest display ever under one roof. The New York International Sports Camping Vacation and Travel Show. March 9th through the 17th at the New York Coliseum. It's bigger than all outdoors. I think the confusion arises that a lot of people today do not think of the devil in connection with sin. The devil is just something out there to be exorcised. And then you go right back to the adult theater. Sit there a while and chew your gum and watch your favorite, uh, your favorite Linda Lovelace film. Yes, everywhere the devil is flicking that tail. That is correct. And incidentally, I might add that at almost any time when, uh, when, when licentiousness, to use a great phrase of that period, licentiousness, you know what your automobile license stands for? When you see the word license, must be license. License means you are given the right to do something. And what does then licentiousness mean? That means you're doing it all. <laughs> Which is not the same as license, although one can uh, also be uh, guilty of license and at the same time be licentious. So we're getting into very murky waters, once again, of nomenclature semantics, and I might even add theology. Theology. Yes, theology. Are the Knicks purer than the Celts? Are the Rangers more blessed in grace than the Canadians? Difficult question. These are questions. Are the Mets inherently uh, more, let's say, children of God than the Yankees? Difficult questions. These questions will have to be resolved eventually by the major theologians of our time who keep dealing in past issues. They keep dealing in ancient myths of the Red Sea party, loaves and fishes, when one must speak really in terms of today's good and evil. Mets versus Yankees. Giants versus Jets. These are the forces of good and evil in our time. The devil? Well, the devil has become a hero in our time which is always true at any given time of, of uh, let's say, as the, as the winds of decay start blowing through the ancient columns of lost and gone arenas, as the games grow wilder and the women grow wilder and the songs grow deeper and richer, wine, women, and song. And incidentally, 
that uh, that is uh, certainly uh, the watchword of our time, right? Wine, women, and song. Stronger wine, stronger women, and stronger songs, which I'm all for. And that's the problem. One finds oneself voting for the devil, and one finds oneself applauding his exorcism. This is a contradiction in terms. I wonder we're torn today. Man is harassed. On the one hand, he thunders against Nixon. On the other hand, he hires highly expensive accountants to try to find him a way to, to, <laughs> to get out of what he has to pay, right? And so he thunders against various politicians and at the same time tries to get the head of the line at the Shell station without waiting in line. Ah, yes. Good and evil are battling it out constantly within the breast of seething, writhing, stuck on the pinpoint, the petard of existence man. You like this, don't you, Jim? Yes, indeed. (laughs) Did you like my fire and brimstone speech? Oh, I can give you more. You want to hear more? Yeah, give me a little of that. All right. I want you to look down on that sawdust that washes right up here to this lectern, this podium. That sawdust is made of the ground, the trees, the plants, of fruit, and of life. That is a force of life. I want you now to look into your soul. And what do you see? You see brimstone, hellfire, and the river sticks. Wait till some guy starts rocking him on TV with that one. Yes, sir. And, uh... <laughs> no, I'm fascinated with this development of, of you know, the, 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 the tremendous interest people have today in the devil. And I think that any artist, no matter what he does, if he's a, if he's a writer, uh, and, I, and I spend most of my time these days writing, if he's a writer, if he's a short story writer, if he's a performer... Uh, that's not the same as an entertainer. I'm talking about an artist. And I think that any artist must look upon current developments, any development at any given time, and project it into what it's going to become. This is what all the great artworks of our, of uh, uh, any time have done. Uh, George Orwell, 1984. Uh, and I'm predicting right now on this, this uh, unheralded spot on the dial that we are going to see in the next five years because of the development of fantastic interest we have today in the devil. The devil, that's an interesting thing to be interested in. And people applaud the devil. (laughs) You've noticed this. Well, they don't know whether they do or not. It's very difficult to know about a thing like that because, again, when you see something like the exorcist, it's a question whether you want, do you want the devil to remain in that child? Or do you want the devil to come out of the child? Are you cheering when, it, when, 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 when the exorcism is successful? Now, in either event, you're saying something. You believe there is, in fact, a devil. Now, you know, for a long time here in America, it has been a common belief in this country that uh, this country is no longer involved in religion. This is a common belief. You've heard it many times, that the... That the you know, how many times have you heard the phrase, God is dead? Have you heard this many times, right? Well, I am making a prediction. 
that that might have been true of the first third of the century, or maybe even the first two-thirds. But something has happened. And anyone who believes in the devil also is believing in something else, which he is not yet quite aware of. Do you agree, Jerry? Jerry's our, uh, the only expert I know on truly theological grounds. He is, and he really is. He's agreeing with what I'm saying. Uh, Jerry's one of the few guys I know who's made a, 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 a serious and a formal study of the subject. And to believe in, in, in the devil is making a major statement. Had, we, had anyone produced a film about exorcising the devil, let's say in 1960, for example, that film would have played at the end of a double B feature, <laughs> uh, maybe a triple feature in a drive-in someplace in Ogala, Mississippi. I'm serious. I'm very serious when I say that. I think that film would have would have played in a little. It would have been just another little old sci-fi. That's it, you know. But another, you know, horror film. That's it. Well, y you can see that a few years ago a film was made about the devil, and it it barely made it. In fact, I think lost money. Rosemary's Baby. So times have changed. Something has happened. In the last four or five years, a lot of people are beginning to believe in the devil. Now all kinds of people are going, they, 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 they prefer to call it the occult. You see, they don't like to say that. <laughs> they don't like to use the phrase. So you realize what a fantastic market today there would be for cotton mather? You're going to see, I say, within the next couple of years, you're going to find a re-evaluation of cotton mather. And... <laughs> And, and, and people are going to start writing books. Cotton Mather was right. There were devils in Salem. I'm making that prediction. There will be somebody who will write that book, and it will get great reviews. Re-evaluating Cotton Mather. Because once you believe in the devil, you have to believe in the rightness of Cotton Mather. Now, who was Cotton Mather? Well, that'll come in the next semester. <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, you heard of the Salem witch trials, right? Well, of course, this country's always believed in devils in one form or another. Uh, after all, the Salem witch scene happened here. But let's face it, uh, Joan of Arc happened in France, so, you know, six of one, half dozen the other. But uh, the devils the devils are always there, uh, deep in your mind someplace. And whether you believe in them or not does not change the fact that uh, to many people they exist. In other words, you can believe that the earth is flat, but that does not necessarily make it so. On the other hand, you cannot believe in the devil. You say, I don't believe in the devil. I, you know, forget it. Man, I'm not going to believe in this devil. <laughs> and on the other hand, the next thing you know, somebody mugs you. Well, uh, you're beginning to get, your, your mind then begins to boggle. At the, after the third mugging, the fourth robbery, and somebody kidnaps your, your fern plant, then you begin to suspect that something is up. So I don't know, you know. I just say, did you, did you, you know, you ever have have an experience when you find yourself suddenly being transported into a wild world of uh, of almost hysteria? Have you ever been uh, hypnotized or mesmerized by a true uh, mesmerizer? You ever been? Yeah, that's an experience. Once you've had it, you can never forget it. And, uh, and I think what's happening is a lot of people are going to see this movie, and they are being mesmerized by this, see? They are being told, they go into the movie not believing in the devil, and they come out believing in the devil. <laughs> you agree? Uh, or at least they believe they've had a hell of an experience. Now, it's based on exercising evil. 
The devil is by nature evil, and the devil is often by definition the embodiment of evil, and so, or at least the spiritual embodiment of evil. I shouldn't use the, the corporeal body here. Get very, very involved in this stuff. You've got to be careful of your terms. Right, Jerry? Very careful. And you also have to watch out for the sales department speaking of the devils. Times to Remember by Rose Kennedy. The first book about the Kennedys by a Kennedy. The deeply moving, intimate story of all the Kennedys told by the indomitable 83-year-old mother of a president and two senators. Right now, Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, is serializing Rose Kennedy's Times to Remember. You'll want to read every installment, daily and Sunday. Speaking of Sunday... There's great reading this week in Sunday Newsday's L.I. Magazine, where you will find Jimmy Breslin's provocative thoughts about the Irish, Marvin Kitman's lively interview of Howard Cosell, a weekend gardener project all about shrubbery, Barbara Rader's guide to Long Island restaurants, and much more. This Sunday, see why Sunday Newsday is the one and only complete Sunday newspaper for Long Islanders. Newsday. Long Island's own newspaper. Goodbye, winter. Hello, spring. Bonds welcomes the new season with a spring celebration sale in every department of every store. Look good with today's fantastic spring styles. Feel good with today's fantastic preview prices. For the Bonds man, Bonds new perfectionist knit suits. Regularly $89.50, preview priced at $78.00. Bonds colorful sport jackets and blazers, regularly $64.50, preview priced at $56. Coordinated flared slacks, regularly $20 to $22.50, preview priced at $17. Bonds own pattern dress and sport shirts, regularly $8 to $12, preview priced at $5.99 to $8.99. Similar savings in our ladies, boys, tall and big men's, and men's shoe departments. Now through March 23rd, save on preview prices at Bond. You get more bad savings. Yeah. Have you ever had the vague suspicion that William B. was squeezed out of a tube of lanolin? <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we have a note here. The bakers of Hollywood bread have made it easier for bread lovers who wish to lose weight. They are offering, by the way, speaking of the devil, there you go. <laughs> I tell you, the devil is always fighting it out in the menu, right? On the one hand, there's one side, he says, go ahead, what the hell? You only live once, for God's sakes. And the other one says, yeah, but I'm going to live awful quick and short if I, you know. And the devil kept saying, come on, man. Yes, they are offering Eleanor Hansberry's Calorie and Carbohydrate Guide Free. That's the makers of Hollywood bread. Wherever Hollywood bread is sold... When a restaurant gets a new idea and does it extremely well, they deserve extra enthusiasm from an admiring broadcaster at Cheers, Cheers. I'll tell you the address in a minute. You're invited to feast from the Horn of Plenty, served family style for two. You start with appetizers, baked stuffed clams, baked ziti, Cheers salad. You whet your appetite with hospitality champagne, and then they bring on not the Horn of Plenty, but the same kind of thing. They call it the abundance platter, and you don't have to choose. You get all of this broiled sliced steak, broiled shrimp scampi on a skewer, crisp roasted chicken, barbecued beef ribs, corn on the cob, 
baked Idaho potato with sour creams and chives. You can make a do-it-yourself ice cream sundae or enjoy cheers, homemade cheesecake, coffee or tea, bowl of nuts, after-dinner cordial, and Swiss chocolate cups. Cheers, 120 West 41st Street. Call for reservations, 244-8810. Cheers, 120 West 41st. Listen, I'll tell you that uh, when you get uh, when you get involved in the siren song of the hypnotizer, woo-wee, it just doesn't stop. And uh, I remember one time, when it actually happened to me, I might as well tell you, you want to hear about it. Uh, and once you have been seared by the fiery breath of a silver-tongued orator, there's just no way of getting around it. You're caught, you're trapped. And uh, you're, you're carried beyond the realm of even... Be- it, it's not a matter of belief, you know. It's not a matter of, of believing or not believing. It's a matter of being swept along on a giant wave of technique. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure that a lot of guys who don't believe in the devil are go out, you know, sweating like mad after they've seen the exorcist, <laughs> which presupposes a belief that there is such a thing as a devil. Uh, by the way, speaking of... Uh, of uh, the devil constantly beckoning you. If uh, if you happen to fall in uh, in the camp of the uh, the Chinese food devils, you know I know some guys that can't pass a Chinese restaurant without breaking out in a sweat. They really love Chinese. You know, other people are not. You know, I think I think Americans uh, basically are people who, uh, because of our frontier nature and uh, the fact that our cuisine has not. Uh, has not become as involved and subtle as the cuisine of older civilizations where, where eating and uh, cooking is as much an art as painting. Uh, we have not yet arrived at that in our own cuisine. You agree with that, Herb? One does not compare McDonald's with, let's say, a four-star Marshallon restaurant in the Marseille. Well, one had better not, at least. <laughs> so I'm not, not even putting McDonald's down and saying that. But our idea of really a fantastic, uh, really a fantastic feast is a couple of McDonald's quarter pounders, maybe a, maybe a big boy, and wash it down with some coke. After which uh, you have a sumptuous dessert of devil dogs, maybe uh, ring dings, right? That's a fairly fairly uh, capsule. And our, our idea of a, a breakfast is very different from the idea of the rest of the world. Where, you know where they believe in food. Our idea is to sit down to a, a good big bowl of Fruit Loops. And, uh, you know, Fruit Loops, and uh, possibly, <laughs> you know, possibly for lunch you have a, a strawberry diet, yoo-hoo. And uh, so our food has a, has no relationship to food food, you know, to the people think of as food around the world. And so the, the Chinese uh, look upon us as very mysterious people. And I'd like to say that uh, if you are uh, tempted to try the great vast library of Chinese food in all of its profundity and variety, and I tell you, it is profound in varieties, too. I would suggest the House of Chan at 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. Great Chinese restaurant. They've been there for 35, 36 years. And the same man who began the restaurant 36 years ago is still there every day, running that place with a solid, hard hand on a tiller. And the food is great. And many showbiz people over the years have uh, had to fight their diets there. Among them, you used to eat there all the time was... Uh, Fred Allen, uh, when Allen was in, living down the street. Another one who used to eat there all the time when he was on Broadway was Bob Hope. In fact, Mr. Chan told me that he still has a bad check that was given him by Bob Hope, which he keeps. <laughs> He's got it, you know, among his mementos. He said, don't say it to him. 
You know, as if I tell Mr. Hope that he passed a bad check at the House of Chan. But the, nevertheless, the House of Chan is at 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. The food is good, and they've got a bar. And they're open seven days, and they're open till midnight. What more need you know? And the prices are, let's put it this way, manageable. And uh, that's the way it should be. You know, I, you want to hear about the first time I ran into uh, to, to a Mesmer? Do you know who Mesmer is? Did you know there was a man named Mesmer? And that's why they call it Mesmerize. You know, it's funny, but, but words... Uh, the other day, I, I, you constantly hear people on TV using words, particularly people on, the, on talk shows. Uh, they constantly come out with are blabbing away there. Blabbing away on talk shows, on panels, is a major preoccupation of our time. Uh, radio TV is just loaded with people blabbing away. And, and, and I'm not talking about blabbing away as a performer. I mean advocating a cause here and there and constantly. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, one of the words that is used constantly today is the word chauvinism. Are you aware of what that word means? You do think you know, okay? Uh, how did the word uh, come about? Did you know that it is named after a man? You do. Most people didn't know that. You knew that, Jerry? Did you know that? Uh, what was his nationality? Correct. He was French. Monsieur Chauvin. Now, what was he, why did he get called that? That gets a little harder. Why is the word chauvinism referred to Monsieur Chauvin? Well, we'll allow the class to uh, look that up, and uh, we will question you next uh, class meeting on that class. So uh, that will be your assignment over the weekend. Uh, look up Monsieur Chauvin. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, you want other words like that? That that are, that, that our people, I mean, actually named after a certain man. Sadism, of course. We all know that who that is named after, right? You do. Fine. What was his nationality? You don't know who he was? By an odd coincidence, he was also French. The Marquis de Sade. Uh, he, uh, he's uh, given his little bit. The French have given their, their names uh, to a lot of things. Uh, yes, Mesmer. Uh, who else? You do not know others. Well, there are many, many others, but uh, they're not pertinent tonight's discussion. We'll ask you another trivia question. Uh, who played uh, Who played Harold Teen's girlfriend in a movie about Harold Teen? Did you know that there was a movie about Harold Teen? And uh, you know who Harold Teen was? This was a comic strip character. Who played Harold Teen's girlfriend? Okay, I'll ask you another question. Who played Harold Teen then? Well, we'll approach it right head on. Who played Harold Teen? You know, you guys, it bothers me. You people claim that you're, you're trivia experts, you know, and they always ask the same trivia questions, you know. Uh, who played Humphrey Bogart's friend in, you know, whatever. Anything Humphrey Bogart was in, there's 50 trivia questions on. But this is truly trivia. <laughs> All right, here's another question. Who played Joe Palooka in the movies? Or did you know there was a character called Joe Palooka? What was his profession, Joe Palooka? That is correct. He was a prize fighter. In what division did he fight? Correct. He was a heavy. 
Uh, how high did he get? He was champion. Right, okay. He was a, a professional boxer, and he was a champion. Uh, do you know why the term palooka was used for him? Well, a lot of people didn't get that humor. That in the fight terminology of the day, the term palooka referred to a really bad tank fighter. They'd say he's a real palooka. That would, <laughs> you know. Uh, all right, I'll ask, uh, who played Joe Palooka then? Come on, let's get back to the subject. Okay, we'll ask you another question. Who played Skeezix in the movies? Or did you know there was a movie made about Skeezix? Now, who was Skeezix? Well, now, again, you see, <laughs> I, uh, being a student, and don't immediately start writing me saying, you must be my age. I remember the yellow kid. Now, I, I have been a student of the comic strips. I have read everything I could get my hands on. I mean, just as a, as a you know, I was fascinated by this whole field. And these are famous comic strips. Who played, I will ask you others then, who played in the movies? Who played Skeezix? You're almost there, but not quite. It was a, a performer very much like him. All right. Who played Skippy? These were all comic strip characters. Who played Skippy in the movies? Aha! I will ask you even another one. This, this is going to surprise the hell out of you. Who played Little Orphan Annie in the movies? It may surprise you to know that there was a movie, in fact, two made, that dealt with the life and times of Little Orphan Annie. Who played Ella Cinders in the movies? This may surprise you. <laughs> this is, uh, you're really fascinated, aren't you, Jerry? You had no idea that, that, uh, that, uh, that at one time movies specialized in putting comic strips into the movie form. Uh, who, all right, who played Don Winslow? There was a, you ever hear the strip Don Winslow of the Navy? Who played Don Winslow when it was made into a movie? Who played Terry, Terry of Terry and the Pirates? That was made into a movie. That throws you. Now, see, you guys, you know, you, you thought you had a firm grasp on movie trivia, and I, and I don't know. I'll, gi I'll, I'll give you one answer so that you can, you can see that I'm not kidding you, that these are actually true movies that were made and, uh, and that there were real actors who played them. The actor, actress, who played Harold Teen's girlfriend in the movie about Harold Teen was the same actress who played in several Charlie Chan movies. I'll give you a clue. Her name, and she was quite well known apparently at the time. I'll give you a clue. Her name, her initials were R.H. And she, her last name was a river that flows right around the island of Manhattan. Another clue, it was not the Harlem River. <laughs> huh? There. See, it looks like pulling teeth out of an alligator. Roquel Hudson, Rochelle Hudson, if you prefer, played Harold Teen's girlfriend. Now, here's a question. What was Harold Teen's girlfriend's name in the strip? I, I'll give you another clue. 
the guy that played Harold Teen in this, you know, I'd love to see a, a, a film festival of films, a whole continuing film festival of nothing but comic strip films, because you'd be surprised. The guy that played Harold Teen also played another famous comic strip character in another series of films that were highly successful. He played two comic strip characters, strangely enough. And the, the second one was a very big smash. And in fact, you'll occasionally see them on late, late television, which is where I've seen them. Who was it? Well, who played... I'll, I'll put it this way. This character that he played, the second one, was a husband and wife comic strip character. And uh, who played his wife? Well, I'll give you a clue. Uh, they're still running, and it's still a very popular script. This strip, in fact, it's probably still one of the most popular strips. Is it not past strips, huh? Correct. Very good. Very good. That is correct, Blondie. Now, who played who played the uh, Dagwood? He. Uh, if you know who played Dagwood, you also know who played Haroldine. Who? Who? No. His name began with, his first name began with A, his last name began with L. Who played, all right, who played the... Uh, <laughs> see, this is, uh, now don't immediately start, start the, uh, you know, you do not have to have lived through the Civil War to be a student of the Civil War, friends. I'm merely saying that if you, if you really are a student of the movies, and uh, a student of American pop culture, you should know about these cartoon strips and these various people. Uh, who played, and here's a really wild one for you, who played uh, Alley Oop in a movie? <laughs> Alley Oop, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's getting very complicated here. You didn't know that, did you? Well, all right, I'll ask you. I'll ask you. This is a classic one. Who was the voice of Mickey Mouse? The voice of Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is probably one of, next to Chaplin, and with Chaplin, is probably one of the most great characters ever to come out of, out of the whole film world. Who played the voice of Mickey Mouse? Well, I'll... I'll uh, I'll let you know. I, I won't hold that one back on you. Walt Disney himself did the voice of Mickey Mouse. Uh, there are other... All right. Who played Maggie in Maggie and Jigs? This was a, a, a movie, a series of movies were made. Then I will ask you who played Jigs. <laughs> oh, man. Would you love to see that? I'd love to see a film festival where they did nothing but all the comic strip stuff. Some of them were, you know, some were surprisingly good because they were based on really wild, funny characters. You know? Bring it up there, please. See? You come to this spot on the dial, you'll learn about the devil and everything, man. This is nothing but knowledge. Right. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for John Wingate.
Indict four more New York elite cops on narcotics rap. The Long Island insurance man who reportedly drove a Jag and a Rolls Royce. Where is he now? A lot of people would like to know. Top investment man tells you how the stock market is gambling on Arab oil. A baseball coach from Little Silver, New Jersey. Sure, he'll obey the ruling on co-ed outfielders or whatever. It's 10 o'clock in New York, and this is John Wingate with the Wingate News Digest. You, your money, people, the high-flying man from Patchogue, medicine, stocks, all to come. Catch a live trout at the International Sports Show. Talk to famous athletes. Learn fly casting from an expert. Bid on...